welcome to the Pastured Pig Podcast, where we share the successes and challenges of raising pigs on pasture. We talk to producers all over the country, from small homesteads to large commercial pasture operations. Whether you're new to pastured pigs or have been raising hogs for decades, we hope you hear new ideas and new perspectives on pasturing hogs. Here's your host, Troy McClung. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Pastured Pig Podcast. Uh, again, appreciate everybody taking the time to listen uh, and to participate. I uh, appreciate the reviews. We've gotten uh, several ratings and a, and a review, I believe, on iTunes. And I appreciate you guys doing that. Again, that helps others find us. Before I get into our discussion with our guest, I wanted to just give some updates. Here at Red Tool House, we are... Um, planning on breeding two of our sows, two of our proven sows. They've uh, produced well in the past. We're going to breed those. In fact, I believe uh, we do AI, so I believe my uh, semen is due in on Friday. It's now Tuesday when I'm recording this. Uh, So we'll be having that shipment come in soon. We should have standing heat in both sows. I believe next Monday is what I have recorded. So that's the game plan, so we'll breed them. I'm actually on the back of the property right now. We have 100 acres in southern West Virginia. Uh, very very hilly, very mountainous. I'm on the back of the property, kind of just exploring. We, uh, we farm just on the front 10 acres. I really don't do much back here, but just like a nice walk through the woods. We've had uh, a lot of heat lately, uh, but today it's only in the mid-70s as a high. So I'm enjoying this wonderful evening in the cool air, low humidity, just enjoying a nice stroll through the woods and to me that's what uh, a lot of this uh, is about kind of justifies all the work you put into having land and raising animals so you can just enjoy the land uh, when it's not the hectic times well our uh, guest today has actually been on the podcast already Uh, so i know it kind of looks like we're repeating but some of our guests have such great information, we wanted to bring them back, have some additional discussion. So uh, today I have David Crafton back on, and David has some really good insight about breed selection. And we talked about this a little bit when we interviewed him previously. Um, I'll link to that podcast, uh, previous podcast below. I think it was our second podcast, but I'll link to that in our uh, in our show notes. But David is actually working on his own breed, coming up with his own breed of pastured pig down there in South Carolina. He's had some great success working with some um, some uh, specialists from Clemson, I believe, and, and having uh, having some good success there. So he's going to talk specifically about breed and breed choice and the importance of that. So let's dive right into that conversation. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Pastured Pig Podcast. So glad you all could join us for this next episode. And um, I realize I say this every every time, that I'm always excited with this next interview I have, and I'm, I'm excited a lot, I guess. But really have been, uh, uh, been lucky to have some really good interviews here and really anxious to get all these out so you guys can hear them. 
But we've actually we've come back to uh, one of our guests that we've interviewed already, and we're going to dive deeper into some some uh, specific topics here. But I'm excited to have David Crafton back on from Six Oaks Farms. And uh, if you recall, David was interviewed back in episode three that aired back in the beginning of June. So if you uh, if you want to know the deeper details of what's going on at Six Oaks Farms, then you can go back and listen to the episode three. But today I have David, and we're going to talk specifics about breed and genetics. So uh, welcome to the podcast, David. Thank you, Troy. Nice to be here. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming back. Uh, I'm glad I didn't <clears throat> run you off the first time, and you were willing to come back and go for round two. Well, yeah, we're good to get. All right. Well, it's, it's one of those things. In, in episode three, when I was going back and listening and, and going through my notes, I have to confess that um, it was one of those interviews where you're talking to somebody, and you're like, okay, this man, this, this is really good. So I started doing more research. <laughs> Uh, on uh, on you, David, afterwards. And I'm like, wow, I, you know, I really didn't realize who I was talking to as far as the experience goes in, in pastured pigs. So it's one of those things I felt, wow, I need to come back and ask him even more questions because uh, it's, it's it's just a, a treasure to have your wealth of information. And, and I appreciate you sharing that with everyone. So, so let's dive right in. So uh, if you don't mind, uh, for people that maybe haven't heard episode three or are just coming in line with the podcast right now, could you give us the uh, 40,000 foot elevation uh, explanation of what you've got going on down there in South Carolina? Uh, yeah, I'm raising pastured pigs and um, I've been doing it full time for um, going on six years now. Um, but uh, or I'm coming up on six years and I did some uh, I raised some beef before that um, part time. Uh, I work full time as an electrician, uh, commercial electrician, project manager, and uh, wanted to get out of that life. <laughs> so I switched to full time, moved to South Carolina, and started uh, started my new life that way. Excellent. And how 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 many acres are you on in South Carolina? Uh, I'm on 40 acres um, at this location. Um, I'd actually just moved because I'm trying to expand as quickly as I can a uh, little little better layout same size land but um i still had the other place but the um uh this place is 40 acres um about 22 of it is fenced currently i'm still working on some of that i got a little bit more to put up but i'm getting close um and uh i also raised some cows for beef and i got a couple sheep and chickens and that sort of thing going on as well yeah excellent excellent okay so and in, in when we talked last time, we talked about how you, you'd, you'd had a beef operation in Maryland, I believe it was, and had right. a lot of experience doing that, moved to South Carolina, really got into pigs. What, um, what just so people know, what was your uh, motivation for transitioning and, and kind of focusing more on pigs? Because you say pigs are probably more of your focus now than, than, than other animals? Yeah, yeah, they, they have been almost from the start. I was going to raise beef cows when I came down here. Uh, hadn't really thought that much about pigs. But I got a few, and, um, you know, I, I did a bunch of research before I got them. There wasn't a whole lot out there about pastured pigs, um, you know, as far as people sharing information. Walt's one, um, and I, I thank him for that. <clears throat> He's been an inspiration. But, uh, you know, it's just uh, there, there, there's a lot of gaps to fill. And, you know, once I got the pigs, I had no problem selling piglets and the ones that I raised out, and it just kind of blossomed from there. And, um, frankly, at the time, I started making more money off the pigs than the cows. <laughs> um, and I, I, I sold pretty well sold out of the cows and, and just to focus on the pigs because it was a big project. And, 
you know, and, and knowing as little as I knew going into it, I had a lot of research to do and, and a lot of learning along the way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, one thing that impressed me when we were discussing uh, last time was um, you're talking about the amount of, um, you're a Faro to finish operation, correct? That's right. Yeah. And, uh, but a large quantity of the pigs that you Faro out, you're actually selling as feeders and, and you're shipping at a pretty good distance. Yeah, mostly up and down the East Coast. We've had some go out towards, uh, oh gosh, um, Ohio, on Illinois, but mostly from Alabama and Florida up through uh, northern Pennsylvania. I think I have one cluster up in Rhode Island. Yeah. So you're seeing uh, an increased demand in, in uh, your genetic line and, and the pigs that you've been raising. You're seeing an increased demand that, that that's the majority of, of, of where your pig operation is headed. Is, is that correct? Correct. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sold out of pigs till at least fall, probably in the winter at this point. Wow. Um, I'm not complaining, but I'm ramping up as fast as I can, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, to satisfy the, the, the demand. But what I can offer them um, is consistency. A lot of these places are selling to, uh, you know, restaurants and chefs. They want a specific thing. But, you know, a place up in rural Pennsylvania um, might have a demand for, you know, 50 pigs a year uh, to finish for these kind of places. But they have to go to two or three or four or five different farms to get that quantity of pigs to raise out. Now, the breeding, the genetics is going to be all over the place. So they're not able to, con to deliver consistent product. So if they get it from me, um, for one, my, my price is very competitive um, with what they're paying already. We deliver them to their door literally <laughs> um and uh you know they'll, they'll get the same thing every time it's going to grow the same it's going to eat the same amount and the meat's going to turn out that beautiful you know red well marbled pastured pork that everybody you know is demanding exactly yeah you know i see another podcast in the future if you allow me to uh uh <laughs> to bug you again, just talking about pig sure. logistics, being able to ship pigs and, and like you say, staying competitive, keeping the pricing right. where it needs to, but being able to ship those distances and, and the consistency mm -hmm. there and the logistics that go along with that, that's that's incredible. But but that won't be our focus today. Uh, what I'd like to jump right into, David, if it's okay, is, so you, you kind of had a, a key point there that people... Your hogs that you're raising, the piglets that you're raising out, are in high demand because of the consistency, because of what they're seeing in your your breed line. So let's jump right into that. So is this, uh, and I know the answer to this question, it's kind of a uh, hypothetical question or a facetious question, is was this just luck? Was this dumb luck? Did you happen to find just the right uh, pig blend and, and then bang, you just ran with it? Or how much work did you put into getting to where you are now with your breed line? You know, I started out the same way they did. <laughs> you know, I was I was buying pigs from all over the place, really. You know what I mean? And 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 I had to build up from there. But things moved along so quickly for me. Um, you know, as far as selling pigs and piglets and and you know right up to the meat, that I, I've always been expanding. There, there's not been a time that I've done this where I've not really been trying to expanding even outside of pigs a little bit hmm. um you know with the beef and the, and the sheep and that sort of thing because that's what customers want now so um yeah i mean it's always been an ongoing growing thing but where i'm at now with it is um because i've done the research <laughs> and i've i've applied it you know to real life um i've come up with a cross that just works you know it just works real well and um 
you know, I'm, I'm, you know, again, I'm, I'm able to get that consistency, but I went through a lot of pigs before I got, you know, what I want now. Um, I, I'm, I'm pretty satisfied with what I've got now and I'm, and I intend to stick with it, uh, because it does work. But, um, you know, I've, I've never really felt like that up until probably the last maybe two years or so. Yeah. It's always been ongoing, you know, thing I've I've tried different boards. I've tried different, you know, sows and gilts and I was, uh, kind of demanding of them, (laughs) which, you know, my sales farrow on pasture you know what i mean they have shelters they can use but generally they don't they usually go up under a tree away from the herd you know um that's just how they are and that's fine and they do really well and you know my loss rate is around three percent wow you know my pigless loss rate is about three percent that's not bad for farrowing on pasture no doubt um, so you know what i mean so I've, I've i've had time over the years and fortunately pigs reproduce fairly fast <laughs> yeah. so you know, so I've been able to move things along until I found, you know, what I got going on now. Well, that 3% loss rate, I mean, there, there's a lot of people that would argue and say the only way you can achieve a 3% loss rate or you know, in that in that range would be farrowing crates in a more confined operation. And you're you're proving that that's not the case right here. That's awesome. Actually, the farrowing crates, crates create just the opposite of what, you know, of what you want in a pasture pig. A farrowing crate is a handicap for that pig they're handicapping that pig because if you take that pig out of that farrowing crate and put it on fast pasture chances are she's not going to raise that many piglets because mm. they're used to being in that crate they're used to not being able to move around you know they just don't know how to handle piglets um in a more natural environment right so you know they're they're breeding that talent because pigs are very talented mothers if you let them be uh and if you select for it they get really good at it, hence the three percent loss rate. You know. Yeah. But uh, so they're instilling exactly the opposite of what a pig really needs, you know, for a good survival rate for a pig. Yeah. Very good. All right. So um, what? So when you got started, how? What was your? What was your education, or what was your inspiration? What What kind of guided you to say, okay, I've got this sow, or I've got this gilt, and I've got this boar. Um, she had this type of litter. These are the results of that. What was your uh, parameters or your guidelines to say, okay, this was a success or this is an area we needed improvement? So the way that I did it was maybe backwards of that. I actually went and in order to get a good cross, I feel like you got to start out with good terminal breeds, you know. So my thing is, is I use large black boars in my herds and I breed them to Tamworth and blue butt sows. A blue butt sow is a... Uh, cross between um pretty much any dark pig and a york mm-hmm. sow yeah and you know they, they come really different colors too i've got a couple red butts out there too but um yeah and and you know what i did was was you know people kind of put pigs in two categories they're either lard pigs or lean pigs right so a lard pig's going to be something like Gloucester old spot or guinea hog or you know what i mean something mm-hmm. like that and a lean pig's typically going to be the more what well what they call developed breeds like yorkshire commercial type breed yeah um you know i was looking for something kind of in between the two um because i didn't really care for lean pork we've all had lean pork it's right. not good yeah. <laughs> and the 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 lard is you know too much for some people 
you know, and I feel like as far as like, if you look at it in a sense of marketing, you got to take what people were used to. And, you know, my, my port weans them off of that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So <laughs> it, it, it looks, it, it looks that, you know, it has a certain look to it and everything. It's not pasty white, you know, and I point that out in the marketing. You know, so that you know, so that's so you know something I'm looking for. There's other factors there, other than genetics, or feed and that sort of thing. But um, so generally, what I did was was I went and I tried a couple of different boars here and there. I tried just blue butts. I tried um, do rock boars. I've tried uh, Gloucester Old Spot York. Um, gosh, I, oh a Hampshire. I tried a Hampshire boar for a while. But what I ended up with was large black boars and. You know, in the time that I was doing these experiments or whatever um, and developing, you know, what I wanted or trying to develop what I wanted, um, it, I, you, you come to a point where you got to stop and look around and you're like, okay, this is, you got to set goals. Okay. So, you know, these goals that I want, I want, you know, a uh, fat one inch fat cap on my pork chops. You know, I want them to have, you know, marbling to them. I want the piglets to have good temperament. You know, they got to perform well on pasture, that sort of thing. One of the breeds that I found that, that had most of those traits was large black. The problem with the large black is they grow slow. Well, anytime you cross one pig to another pig, you get that hybrid vigor. And, you know, it, they tend to grow a little faster. So large black is more or less an in-between pig. And I'm breeding them to, you know, the Tamworths, which is another kind of in-between pig. They're not really lean. They're not really large. And the same thing with the blue buds. So that's where I'm getting the meat thing. But the large blacks, they just bring a lot to the table. Um, their temperament is amazing. Uh, they marble at an earlier age. So even smaller carcasses, like barbecue-sized carcasses, are going to have marbling in the meat. Not a whole lot, but more than, you know, a typical pig would. Yeah, yeah, which um, is huge. Yeah, you know, they got to be able to get to a one-inch fat cap by the time they get to be, you know, 250, 275 pounds. I'm looking for 14 to 16 teats. Um, you know, uh, the other thing that I've done a lot of looking into is taint. Uh, you know, that, that smell mm -hmm. of uh, typically boar meat. Um, I did a lot of research into that, and that was a big part of my development. I generally don't castrate males that I'm keeping for myself because I can manage them um, away from, you know, sows or gilts that I don't want pregnant. Right. Yeah. Not everybody can do that. You know, not everybody has that kind of space, and I understand that. Um, but it's still nice to have the option to not have to cut them, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, because that has its own benefits. Exactly. Um, the, I've, I found that an intact boar eats about 10% less and gains about 10% more on the same amount of feed hmm. as a gilt or a barrow. No kidding. Yeah, in most cases, um, you know, and, 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 and in particular with what I'm doing now, that's been about the average. So I'm feeding them 10% less feed and getting them to a 10% heavier weight on less feed than I'm feeding you know the guilt or the barrow next to them. oh yeah yeah that's you know. that's what you like to see on paper <laughs> right exactly so i mean you know and when, when you get the herd sizes like you know what i'm working with now you know that stuff gets a little touchy you want to save some money on feed wherever you can and if you can breed a, a pig that's efficient anyway which they are um then you know then then that's a good step forward 
Excellent. Well, man, wow, there's there's a lot there to unpack. So it sounds to me like your <laughs> your criteria that you have for uh, for whether you're keeping a, a, a breeding pair or, or, or a breeding sow or a breeding boar is is a pretty extensive list. So this this is more than mm-hmm. just one or two um, items on a checklist. This this is everything, like you said, from confirmation to temperament to yeah. uh, to how they handle to all the way up to even post processing, where you're examining uh, the processing results of that pig. Um, right. So, so, so you've got that going on, and that's a that's a pretty huge list that goes a long time, and mm-hmm. uh, I mean you're you're dealing with multiple breeding sets here at any given time, right? Right. How, how right. many how many do you normally are you are you breeding at a time? I have four herds yeah. that I breed, yeah. so <laughs> they're all in some stage of pregnancy, you know, gestation <laughs> or you know. Uh, feeding you know feeding out piglets or weaning or you know what i mean yeah they're 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 busy you know um they do get a break you know what i mean i usually give them about 30 to 45 it depends you know some of them are a little different uh some of them require a little bit longer um you know but uh to put a little bit of weight back on or get a little bit back into condition you know i have a pen that i separate my sales into that the boars can't get to at all so how do you keep track of all that, David? I mean, with with all of those animals, with all the different uh, uh, points that they're in, and, and their gestation, and, and and even all the way to following the processing. I mean, do, are you are you a pen and paper guy? Do you have a spreadsheet? Do you have a team that helps you? What what? How do you manage all that? <laughs> I'm I'm a pen and paper guy. I write a lot of stuff down on my calendar that's hanging over my desk. Gotcha. You know, so and and uh, another funny thing, and it's actually not a bad tip, especially you know when you get more than a couple you know, breeding animals uh, of any kind. Uh, when I see them out there breeding, I'll take a picture of it because that picture is always going to be in my phone and I'll always know the date that that sow was bred. Isn't that great? I love it. <laughs> I love it. That's, that's the thing. That, and I agree 100%. That, that it'd crack you up, you know, if you went back to your grandpa who was a farmer and mm-hmm. say, what's the best tool you can have on the on the farm, uh, you know, uh, two generations from now, it's a phone. It, it, yeah, they'd laugh at right. you, but absolutely. Right. So, yeah. So how do you? So I'm, I'm getting to I'm getting to the point. You know, part of that whole thing with expanding though is um, I've been saving a lot of gilts back. That's part of the benefit of having four herds because they're genetically independent of each other. Mm-hmm. So for a long time, I can take a gilt from one herd that I want to you know for a replacement gilt or just to bump up and put it in. You know, I can go from pasture four to pasture one, and then eventually the only thing I ever really ever have to change out is the boars. Yeah. Yeah. Once, once they're spent. Okay. So, um, wow, that's that's pretty cool. So, looking at looking at that process, um, you have your phone that you take some pictures of. How are you identifying the individual gilts and and sows in the pasture? Are you are you tagging them? Do you notch them? What what's the physical identifiers out there? No, I'm not doing any of that yet. <laughs> so you just so you just know that that's that's boar number one, and he's a he's a good dude because of this, and then this yeah. is okay. That's excellent. I, I I'm I'm you know what I mean. I can pick a boar out there. My my biggest boar. He's he's 960 pounds. He <laughs> he's, he's my oldest. He's my he's my oldest one too. He's he's not that old actually. He's still breeding, but he's um he he. <laughs> I can tell you everything about him. I can tell you the day he was born. You know what I mean? I can tell you the little, you know, different marker that he has on his one foot that makes him stand out from, you know, all that stuff. And I'm like that with most of the sows, too. Now, I'm getting to the point, you know, with expanding the way I am that um, I'm going to have to do something. Um, 
even black pigs, you know, the inside of their ears not black. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got a couple different colors of ink that I'm going to experiment with um, tattooing their ear. Okay, yeah. On the inside. Interesting. So that's that's an upcoming project. So that would be a, um, and um, I'm ignorant on that whole process, but I, I assume that that's something you do at uh, just after farrowing uh, when they're much much easier yeah. to handle your tattooing at a, sure. at a piglet age and and uh, right exactly. Prob- some, well, some I mean that's what I'm going to. Yeah, that's what I'm going to try to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? When when I pull them off my arm or something like that, I'll I'll do that. Now I don't know. You know, again, this is going to be a big experiment because I don't know how many people tattoo pig ears. <laughs> not probably not too many. Yeah. Um, I think that's but they make white. They, yeah, exactly. They have, but they do have white ink. Oh, now, so yeah, so I'm I'm thinking it's going to work. You know, even if their skin's kind of dark. Hopefully. So is that a sequential number? Is that some sort of code? Is um... It's it's uh, letters and numbers. Yeah. So they'll have a herd letter, and then an individual number after that. Okay. Excellent. All right. Man, that's a that's a lot to manage, and sounds like as it grows, and it's going to become exponentially. Yeah, it's it's really getting to that point. That's why I'm changing up my stuff with my website. I'm going to uh, uh, barn to door, and uh, they're setting up a. A site for me so my site website is actually going to be down until probably another week or so okay. um i mean by the time this airs it'll be you know back up i'm sure yeah and that website is sixoaksfarm.com correct yes sir okay cool so yeah everybody can check that out and see how that's uh how uh how david's pulling that and my, my facebook page is pretty i do a lot on that i have a six oaks farm page on facebook too okay yeah all right, well, we'll definitely share that down in our uh, show notes so people can uh, see the links to that and, and be able to follow that as well. Great, okay, thanks. so um, so one, one more point there. So, uh, again, I, I have to ask, With I know we talked about in, in the past that when it comes time to ship these pigs, you've, you've got a reliable trucking source there that, that you've worked out. Mm-hmm. But but do you have any help on the farm? Is this, is this 100% you? Uh, it's mostly me. My girlfriend's here. She does a lot, a whole lot, probably more than she ought because she works full time. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's again, that's a that's a lot to manage. It is. It's a full time. I mean, you know, I got flowers growing out there because uh, you know, and, and the farm store and different species of animals, and I sell a lot of eggs and vegetables. I have a market garden, so uh, I don't sit down much. So is this, uh, this is totally off tangent, but is this harder than being a commercial electrician or is a commercial electrician harder? I wouldn't change a thing. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you, it's a lot more work. Towards the end of my career, you know, in the electrical career, I was a a project manager, so I was in the office most of the time. Pushing paper, yeah. And, uh, yeah, exactly. And it was, I mean, it was all right, you know what I mean? It was, you know, they paid good benefits, you know, whatever truck, but... I don't know. I didn't like sitting in an office that much. Yeah. <laughs> so I was already doing it part-time, and, you know, I saved up and figured I'd give it a go. And if not, I could always fall back, you know. Yeah. But so so far, so good. Well, the natural progression here, so as, as we've talked about, you've, you've really put all this work into isolating your testing. You're constantly testing your, uh, your breeding capabilities and what you're seeing there. Um, and you shared with us in our last episode that – You've now to the point where you've seen, you've isolated so many good traits that you're actually working with a geneticist to to actually develop a breed. Can you tell us more of that? Yeah, yeah, they're from from Clemson. They um so uh, 
it's a top secret project. And, <laughs> okay, well, and, scratch uh, that. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. So, uh, yeah, so um, when I started using the large black and the Tamworths, every once in a while I was getting a spotted pig. And I noticed they only sold first. And I kind of liked them anyway. And they always seemed to have a decent, you know, body type. And there was always something a little special about them. But uh, pretty pigs. Hmm. But, um, yeah, so I started messing around trying to breed that specifically for that, you know, for that color and that confirmation I was looking for. And they were already from good pasture stock by that point. Um, so they did real well in pasture. And they grew very much like my crosses did anyway. But although I did introduce another um another breed but i can't tell you that i can't tell you what it was until everything's you know yeah absolutely squared away and i get because you know when they come out that we pedigreed which is going to be probably soon probably by spring wow of 2020 we should have pedigree litters but um so yeah so i was kind of you know was messing around with it and i talked to a friend and i'm in south carolina so we're not too far from there a friend of a friend do them and i got with them and it just kind of blossomed from there. They've been a tremendous help um, as far as helping me out with who to breed to who. Because, you know, I, I, I know a few things about it, and I know about, you know, like my end of it as far as breeding it and what you're going to typically get and, you know, some generalization kind of things, where color comes from, that sort of thing. But, you know, they knew a whole lot more about it than I did. <laughs> so, you know, you goes a little bit beyond just the little Punnett square <laughs> that you learned in biology. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, uh, so yeah, I've been taking their fine advice, and uh, so far, so good. We've got some real nice specimens out there, and uh, we're getting some consistency, and we're going to have our first uh, purebred litter coming up. Um, what's this, June? Probably uh, maybe October, November, somewhere around that time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, once we get them grow it out a little bit uh we'll probably start releasing some of them and you know saving the ones we want to save and try to keep everything going you know going how it has been we have two lines now so we still have to expand into a third line from there but uh so far so good it's it's working out better better than i planned and i thought the way that i was doing it it was going to take like 20 years (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know so they help speed things along a bit oh great so so I, I assume then that as this as this uh, uh, new breed comes online, uh, gets pedigreed, all of that, then uh, the game plan would be to market that uh, to your existing uh, client base and even beyond, and then just try to really introduce this breed to to anybody that wants to to, to take on those characteristics. I assume. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the g- generally, as far as the confirmation and the meat type and that sort of thing, it's it's pretty much what I'm producing now in, in a um, you know, I guess a, a prettier coat, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, basically what it is. Um, but you know, if people down the road, I hope that they would want to take them on and, and, you know, help with breeding them and expanding on it. That's um, yeah. you know, I'm, hopefully there's some people out there would be interested in doing that. But, uh, you know, I think once they're out there and people see what they look like, there's already, there's already a breed out there that looks just like it. Their confirmation's a little bit different. Um, mine tend to be longer and a little bit taller, but, um, uh, they have not arrived here yet, but over in Europe, um, mostly I think in England, there's a breed called the Oxford Sandy and Black. Hmm. Uh, if you want to Google it, they pretty well look like that. They're a sandy red color um, with black splotches on them. Yeah, they're okay. pretty pretty interesting. 
Oh, great. So, so this this new breed will, like you said, has all the characteristics that you look for on your farm when you're in your selective breeding, but then just has this uh, appearance, additional appearance characteristics that that make it unique. It, it, exactly. So, you know, me being all about consistency, I want to be able to, you know, put a pig out there that people can breed this one to that one, and they're going to get a spotted litter of pigs. Yeah. Yeah, you know, just like they're just like they're going to get the well marbled red meat and the you know fourteen to sixteen teats, you know taint free genetics. You know, basically taint free genetics and um, you know the fat cap size and the growth rate and you know pretty much what I'm doing, but in a nicer coat. <laughs> yeah, it's like the whole package, brains and beauty exactly. at the same time. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to run with that. There you go. Well, excellent. So. So obviously you've 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 uh, you said you've been in this for six years and you've done a lot of work and getting to where you are. So um, uh, yeah, that's that's a pretty big uh, path to follow. Where you are now in your experience and the information you have for for somebody just starting out that says, okay, I, I'm either just going to start out. To maybe maybe there's two pieces of advice here or two different types of advice. Somebody just starting out says, I want to raise some pigs for the family. Uh, so yeah, you know, where do I start if I'm just going to raise something for the homestead or for the small farm for personal consumption or the person that says, well, I want to do that, but I think I then want to get into a commercial operation with that. What would your advice be in, in starting with the breed? Starting with the breed. I mean, as far as, you know, like right from the start getting piglets before I tell people, you know, anything about getting piglets, I get phone calls all the time because I sell a lot of piglets and I tell people all the time, you got to, you know, set some goals, you know, uh, how many pigs do you think you might want to sell? What you might think you think they might cost, and you know, and all that sort of thing, and then you know, apply that to what you want to buy in a pig. You know, do you want a large breed or do you want a lean breed or do you want an in between breed like what I have? Yeah. Or you know, you got to set some goals um, rather than just go out and buy you know the neighbor's pigs that have never seen a blade of grass. Yeah. Know, they might not do so well in pasture. They might, you know, but why risk it? You know what I mean? Why put that money out, you know, when there's a pasture pig operation somewhere probably not too far or I can deliver to your door, right, <laughs> you know, exactly. that you can get, you know, that you can get pigs and, and, you know, start out with something good. And, you know, I always tell people, you know, spend a couple extra bucks, go a little bit farther if you have to, you know, but start out with good genetics because even if you're going to eat them at the end of the year, it still matters. Yeah, you know, and that's, I feel like you're speaking directly into my soul here, because when I when I got started, I, I remember telling the farm, it was one of those things, you know, flip open the ad bulletin or the paper, find somebody that's selling piglets and say, oh, let's get into this, let's do it, like like a dumbass. Right. I, I got to go head first into stuff, Yeah, re- ready, right. ready, shoot, aim is usually my, my mantra. But, um, but, but as far as, you know, from there getting into the commercial side of it, I would, you know, and I tell people this a lot too, it's the find your market and grow into it you know what i mean find out what the people around you want raise a couple pigs see who buys what you know really get as much feedback as you can from them that they you know what they liked about it what they didn't like and and develop you know your your product to that you know to what to what that market might want yeah you know they might be used to buying i'm in the south people are pigs are cheap down here you know i mean you can get piglets down here for 35 dollars or sometimes 25 dollars a piece you know, it's not hard. All right. Is but, that um, is that uh, David Crafton's price delivered? <laughs> no. <laughs> right. No, I think they're a little more than that. But, again, you know what I mean? That's what I was saying. You know, spend a few dollars more because yeah. at least you know in nine months you're going to have a pig 
that's you know actually less than nine months probably seven months uh a pig that's ready to butcher you know what weight it's going to be you have an idea what kind of meat you're going to get you know it's going to be marbled you know and that sort of thing so at least there's some things you can be assured of you know when you when you know what you're buying up front yeah that's solid because i think you know i i remember kind of my attitude and other attitudes of, of people that I run into were like, well, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't want to spend a lot of money on something that I may not even get to, to survive, to, you know, to finish because I just don't know what I'm doing. Right. And so they're scared. Right. But but from, from your perspective, and I really like that point, is the additional investment up front really isn't that large when you look at no. you know, buying the mutt from, from you know, Joe Farmer down the street to actually buying right. something that has uh, some pastured pedigree to it. Uh, it really isn't that much more of a financial commitment, and it can go so much further, especially if you get to the point, you know, I've always liked the advice of, you know, buy three, uh, raise, one, raise one for yourself, sell the other two to, yep. to pay for that one, or sure. you know, save one back that you're going to breed and try to start from there. And cool. uh, and, and that makes a lot of sense. If you get to that point, <clears throat> you get to that turning point where you say, oh, wow, I, I'm glad I invested in this because it's I'm that much further ahead of the game. You don't have to start all over again. Right. Right, exactly. Yeah, I talk people out of breeding pigs all the time. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's not because they're competition or anything like that. Because I'll say if they want to breed pig, I'll sell it to them. You yeah. know what I mean? I'll, I'll do it. You know what I mean? It's on them. But you know, I, I tell people all the time. I had a lady come by, you know, a couple months ago. She, you know, was wanting to buy two, two gilts and a boar, you know, unrelated, which I can provide. And um, you know, I got to talking to her. She'd never raised pigs before. She wasn't sure about defense. You know what I mean? All this stuff. And I told her, I said, look, I said get you a couple feeders you know the first time and you know it's you'll learn whether your fence is good enough without worrying about your breeding pig running down the road with her piglets exactly. you know and and you know so you can test your infrastructure see how much it's going to cost and feed and then apply that and she did she bought a couple feeders and uh uh she's about four i think four or five months into into raising them and and she was by here the other day and she's like I don't know if I want to breed pigs or not. <laughs> you did the right thing. Book <laughs> yeah. her that real quick. Yeah. Right. So do you do you find do you ever get in a situation where people ask you and do you do you oblige them? Do you sell pregnant sows? No, no, I don't no. Frankly, you know, with expanding I've never really had the, you know, chance to or opportunity or whatever you want to call it, to have one to spare. Right, yeah. Frankly. Yeah, and and I've always wanted. I've had several guys that I've talked to. In fact, several several people that I've interviewed. That's how they got started. And and again, to each their own. But I I'd always thought, wow, you know, there's there's no way I would have had the stones in the first place to do that. Because knowing that right. how many how many piglets you could have, it's like okay, first time I've ever had a pig on property. It's a sow, right. and she pharaohs you know, a month or two later, and now you've got you could have ten, you could have twelve, you could have fifteen pigs running around. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, and and their and their instinct is to move away from, you know, any kind of commotion, feed areas, other pig. You know, like I said, most of my pigs will go out to pasture. So, if if you get a, a sow that's pregnant, she may go through the fence. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean to get away from wherever she's at because that's just her instinct to do it. You know, and you're like, man, where's my pig? And, you know, where'd she go? And then two weeks later, she's going to turn up with, uh, you know, whatever piglet she has. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Waiting for you to feed her. <laughs> yeah, that that could stress you out pretty quick. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I remember the days of, hey, the neighbor calling and say, hey, your pig's in my front yard. Oh, my. I've been there. <laughs> We've all been there. All right. 
Well, David, I, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I won't keep you too much longer here. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us again. And, and um, I would love to, um, if you're willing, I'd love to invite you back as, as this uh, new breed line gets uh, gets pedigreed and gets gets online and you're ready to go and, and talk to you about that some more. And again, I'd love to talk to you about logistics and, and even once your website's up, how you're doing sales through there. There's just so much information I feel we could glean from you. And and if you're sure. willing to have you come back on here, and we'll we'll pump some more information out of your brain there. Absolutely. Just let me know why. Well, all right. Well, I'm going to, um, uh, as, as I mentioned before to everyone, if you want to check out David Crafton's, uh, what he's got going on at Six Oaks Farms, farm, I, uh, for some reason I, I get stuck on that plural there, check <laughs> out Six Oaks Farm, multiple oaks, singular farm, sixoaksfarm.com. Or actually uh, look on Facebook at Six Oaks Farm as well, and uh, you can find his information there. Uh, Well, David, again, appreciate your time, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. Well, I really appreciate David coming on and talking. I I just, man, I think I could talk to that dude for hours. Just a lot of good information. Uh, Really appreciate uh, him taking the time to talk with us again. If you want to know more information about him, you can check out uh, the links to his stuff. Again, I'll put those in the show description. Uh, you can find him uh, through that those means. And uh, if you like the podcast, please consider giving us a review. Give us a rating on uh, any whichever uh, feed device you use, whether it's Stitcher or iTunes or Google Play. Uh, again, that helps people find us. Um, if you have suggestions or comments about anything that we've talked about or, or potential new guests or potential new topics, you can go to our website, redtoolhouse.com, click on the Pastured Pig podcast link and use the form, or feel free to just email me directly at troy at redtoolhouse.com. That's troy, T-R-O-Y, at redtoolhouse.com. You can email me directly and uh, and just let me know what you think, comments, suggestions, uh, whatever. I, I want to find ways to improve this, make it even better. So I appreciate any feedback that you all want to send our way. Well, hope everyone's having a good uh, a good week. I hope uh, things are going well on the farm. Take care, everybody. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Pastured Pig Podcast. To learn more about our podcast or to submit topics or recommend guests for future episodes, visit redtoolhouse.com.
was just going back and checking.